0: connection through conversation joint self-described conversationalist stacy heller as she talks with guests about topics and ideas that are sometimes informational sometimes inspirational and always entertaining on stacy connects
1: Everyone, welcome to Stacey Connects. I am Stacey Heller, and this is a show about making connections through conversation, about asking questions instead of making assumptions, and about engaging with the elephant in every room. I love myself an elephant in the room, always want to befriend it. Thanks to everyone who listens to the show. If you like it, you should share it. You know, you want to, everybody does it. Uh, you can find it. And the other show that Eric and I do called Don't Ask Me to Talk, wherever you listen to podcasts. You can also follow my Instagram account. I've changed the name of it. If you're already following me, you're still going to get it. But I decided a good Instagram handle name is Stacy Talks. I mean, Aww. I really, right? It says it all. I mean, yeah. So uh, turns out you can change your Instagram handle name like every two weeks or something. And I keep trying out different identities. And I decided that Stacy talks seems memorable apropos on brand. And it really covers it all. So anyway, uh if you want to call in live, you're gonna say something, Eric.
0: I was gonna say, do you have a separate one for your company, Stacy Connects?
1: I do. Okay. That one is Stacy Connects Biz B-I-Z. All right. You know, because I'm hip with the scene. Of course. <laughs> thus proving it with my lingo uh remember you can call in live to the show the number is 425-373-5527 you can also text 475-999-2726 so today my guest is Georgie Coote hello Georgie
2: Hi, Stacey. Thanks for having me.
1: Absolutely. We have been waiting a long time to have you on the show. I think you were supposed to potentially come on over the summer and then something happened. And so now fast forward and here we are. Yeah. Summer, busy. Things happen, right? Things totally happen. So, Um, well, yeah. And uh, summer feels like a blur at this point, uh, which I'm okay with. I really like fall. It's my favorite season. Um, I have a chance at not being overheating all the time because that's what I do. I overheat all the time. So uh, before we start chatting with you and what you do and what you're about, I figured I would get into some of the conversations and observations that I've had in the past week. So... um, First, I thought that I would talk about the response that I got from last week's show. Last week's show was entitled This Girl Walks Into a Bar, and it was an episode that featured our daughter, Grace, and uh, her experience in Boston being drugged. And uh, I had posted it on Facebook, and a lot of people responded to that, so A, that tells me aren't you all listening to my show? You all seem surprised. If you listened, then you would know about this. Uh, no, I'm really kidding. Mostly. um, A lot of people just so surprised and, uh, but really enjoyed it and really appreciated the bravery that it took for Grace to talk about it and put herself in a, in a vulnerable position where people may make assumptions or may judge her. And, You know, I just think it goes back to my point about befriending or engaging the elephant in the room. Uh, There is nothing like talking about something that really releases the, the negative implications that it can have. It's just, you know, you take back the narrative. So I was super proud of her and uh, such a positive response to the show last week. So thank you to everybody that reached out and commented. I so appreciate it. It meant so much that mom called in. Uh, Grace was really tickled by that. So thanks, mom. Uh, It's awesome that she and Diane and Lee listen every week. uh, But, you know, having my mom call in and especially being a different generation where it's very easy to oversimplify uh, the way that young people are today. You know, like, well, she was, you know, Grace in the episode had talked about, like, I was out looking cute. I did my makeup. I was wearing a crop top. It's very easy, I think, when you're part of an older generation to not understand and to make easy, quick assumptions. And so I love the fact that mom gets it. And... Uh, she is constantly open to learning and having conversations. So clearly I get it from somewhere. Um, So the other thing that I wanted to bring up is I all of a sudden the other day got a wild hair to move. Like not far, like not to like Kansas or something. But like... I just suddenly was like, hmm, I'm bored playing solitaire. This, I think, was on, literally, like, on Sunday. I'm bored playing solitaire. I don't feel like watching (laughs) Aaron Judge to see if he gets his 61st home run. I don't want to watch a movie. Uh, Laundry sounds hideous. And so I know. I'll look at houses. And so I did a search of modern houses in King County. And... um. I I just have this thing about wanting a really modern house. I have the one that got away a few years ago. Again, I had a wild hair and was like...
0: Your house is pretty modern. Yes. That you live in already. Yes. So, but it's...
1: It's PNW You want something more
0: modern. Yes.
1: (laughs) Yes. It's...
0: Built yesterday. Well... Not two years ago.
1: Or... Or, because, so here's what happened. There I am, scrolling through, like, some people look at TikTok. I'm looking at houses, and I find this house that, basically, it looks like it's almost on stilts, and it's all glass side. And it's not super modern, like, built yesterday. It's got a very, like, Frank Lloyd Wright-type modern, like, mid-century modern vibe. And so... Wood, wood ceilings and beams and metal and glass. And I was like, this is amazing. So naturally, I reached out to my friend, Brenda, who is also my agent. And I was like, Brenda, what is up? This house kind of in my price range. Pete would disagree. Um, He's like, we're supposed to be scaling down. I'm like, it's sort of lateral. Um, I mean, mostly lateral. Anyway, And I was like, why didn't you tell me about this? And she said, you told me you wanted to move into like a condo in like Bellevue or Kirkland or something. Like this is not any of that. Uh And I'm like, since when did you ever start listening to me? (laughs) Nobody listens to me. I just talk and rant. and Nobody actually listens. Apparently, Brenda is such a good real estate agent, she listens. So I informed her that... Forget all of that. Really what I'm looking for is my next really interesting house. Mm -hmm. So that's the search that I'm on. So uh, this house was really, really cool, though. And, of course, the sale is pending. And unkind Stacy, I'm like, maybe it'll fall through. Which is not a nice thing to manifest for somebody else. But, you know, I'm just saying. Maybe it'll fall through. Maybe it's not meant to be for them. Uh, And... Doing a search for modern homes, apparently modern equals expensive or luxury. I every single website that I went to was like luxury home listings in, you know, wherever. I'm like, I don't need luxury. I I'm looking it can be it could be a shipping container house, Hmm. which I'm also kind of obsessed with. Um it could be anything. I don't need it to be big. We are sort of downsizing eventually. I just want it to be really interesting. So, And then I showed it to Charlie and he was like, oh, that's a cool house. Why didn't we get that house? (laughs) Okay. It's not like a Lego set at the Lego store right? where you just pick it up and by the way, you get a discount. So yeah, this is welcome to my brain. And now I you know, I've put it out there in the universe. And, and, of course, my mother has a very strong opinion on this. She's like, you don't need to move. You need to focus on your business. You need to write your book. You need to get out there. You are just distracting yourself from your real purpose. I
0: think your mom might be onto something. something.
1: Okay. <laughs> okay. Not <laughs>
0: that I don't also occasionally engage in house lust, but... For- <laughs> but, you know, then I think about all that goes into moving yes. and buying a house and yes. selling a house and yes. all that stuff, and then I think, yeah, I like my house.
1: Well, yes, so, so all of that and one hundred percent, my mom is not wrong, and uh, and yet, you know, I don't know. I am just, I'm just putting it out there, sure. right? <laughs> like, what's the worst that could happen? Ugh. Anyway, um, okay, my stacyism for this week. I don't think I've talked about this for a long time, so I thought I would remind people, speaking of my mother and her wisdom, uh, she talked about uh, when Annie, who's our oldest, was born. Her advice was, remember, you need to continue to go out on dates with your husband. I think she also told me to wear lipstick, uh, which really didn't feel like a priority uh, about a week after Annie was born, but Okay, you know, whatever. Um, And so we found a babysitter quite early. And Pete and I started going out on Tuesday nights for our date night. And it was a very strategic choice because a school night for babysitters meant that, you know, we weren't going out late. We weren't going to some, you know, party or whooping it up. We were going to potentially a movie or dinner or just grocery store, someplace other than home. And so it started all of those years ago. Annie is uh, 26 and a half. So basically 26 and a half years ago. And we have continued it now this many years later. And aside from some times when, you know, things have been busy or whatever, we have pretty much gone out every Tuesday night. And depending on the season of our lives or the season in general around the holidays. I'm usually talking at Pete about this year. The holidays are going to be different. I'm going to plan it and I'm going to budget. And then, you know, in the new year, it's like, no, really, I'm going to change things up a bit. Or, you know, we're talking about what's going on with him and work, or we're talking about the kids or whatever it is. So date night, whether you are – Uh, and this is something that actually Georgie will speak to, I'm sure, in the show, whether you're at the beginning of your relationship and you're young or you're young in the relationship, setting up a time that isn't time at a party or out with other couples or out doing something like that, setting up a simple time with just the two of you, To have a conversation that is outside of the parameters of your home, it has proven to be an amazing thing. And the quality of the place where we go has increased over time. So, you know, it used to be like IHOP. And, you know, now we uh, tend to go to SIP in the Issaquah Highlands. And, you know, I feel like I'm Norm from Cheers because, you know, we walk in and I get a hug and a hey and a ho. um, And that's a really nice thing. So, that is my Stasiism. Date your significant other early and often to stay uh, on neutral ground and to stay connected. So, with that, let's take a quick break. And then when we come back, we will start chatting with Georgie Coote. We'll be right back with Stacy Connects. Mm-hmm.
0: Make us part of your daily routine. Alternative Talk, 1150.
1: Welcome back to Stacy Connects. Again, I am Stacy Heller. My guest today is Georgie Coot. And uh, you may have noticed that she's got an accent. So <laughs> love that. It makes my show feel like very international or something. I don't know. I mean... You
2: know, I'm... Five miles down the road
1: from you. I know. But, you know, (laughs) you're not supposed to say that. Gosh. Sorry. (laughs) Um, So, Georgie and I were connected a while ago. I think I mentioned that um, before the break. And I was telling her during the break that normally um, I wish listeners could see what my show notes look like because it's basically like my standard intro. Here's my guest. Uh, Any notes that I have about what happened during the week and literally there's like just a couple of key words um, and then I have a line that says what's your story and that's it. So I was saying during the break that clearly I must be going through something because I have and I will read it verbatim holy bleep I've got no more excuses I need to figure out what's next. Midlife transitions, finding what makes your tail wag, guilt, imposter syndrome, wearing so many hats and roles, getting other people, family in parentheses, to see you differently—does that matter? So, this this is what you do as a as a coach, and you help people that are the age that I am, mm-hmm. or a little younger, a little older. Uh, basically, midlife, we'll say, uh, that are transitioning to really figure out what what is next. You're only at midlife; you're not at end life.
2: Right, absolutely. And and the thing about midlife is you start getting, you know, you've done all the things that you should do when you're younger. You know, you've you've been to college, you've got your degree, you've st- started your career, maybe started your family bought the house got all the things and then you get to midlife and you go ah but there's something missing and you start hearing a little something a little niggle what what is it what's missing what you know what more do I need and if you ignore that it can start manifesting in your body even with you know migraines or aches and pains that you're thinking why is this happening Mm -hmm. um And so it's a really good time to start listening and start changing things up. You know, it's a big time of transition.
1: It is a big time of transition. And it's, you know, my friend group are obviously uh, all around that same age and stage. And so kids are either have left the nest or, you know, they're running out of little birdies, uh, you know, who are going to be leaving the nest or poised to leave anytime soon. Some of them have had careers pre having children. Some did both um, Mm -hmm. and tried to juggle that. Some, like myself, I would say my career, and I'm doing air quotes, listener, uh, I didn't have a career, I had a job. And then I got married really quite young and started. we started our family when I was young. And so Mm -hmm. that became my job because I <laughs> stupidly thought i'll just have kids early and i'll get it over with <laughs> again i think i've said it before you don't really get kids over with uh no. it's it's a lifetime commitment uh however it doesn't mean that you have to be committed to that singular role of mother right as job title and so i have a lot of friends like myself who stayed at home and now they feel so disconnected from who they were pre-children or even who they were while balancing career and job with children.
2: Yes, absolutely. And, you know, you change over time anyway. That person you were before you had your first baby or when you were having your children when you were young, you're you're different now anyway. So there is that disconnect and you may have put things, you know, on the back burner. You think, oh, I'll come back to that, you know, when the kids have have flown. but but when you start thinking about that and bring it back you might think well actually that doesn't resonate with me anymore so we do change over time and we do maybe feel a little bit lost um because we've given ourselves so much to our families Mm -hmm. because that's what we do as as mothers don't we We you know we give we give everything to our families and um i think one of the you know, troubles happen. So you were saying about always having a date night with your husband over the years, that Mm -hmm. is amazing. But a lot of people don't because they feel that, you know, they should be putting everything 100% into their children. And if they don't, they're a bad mother. And I'm doing the air quotes now Mm -hmm. because the bad mother, with so much judgment where there shouldn't be. Um, and so, you know, really starting even when your kids are still at home, they start, you know, you've got this when they're little, they need you so much of the time. And then they start to grow into their own beings, you know, seven, eight, nine, you start getting a little bit of freedom by the time they're teenagers and they start driving even before they've left home. They don't need you as much. Mm-hmm. You know, They still need you. They're always going to need you. But, you know, that's the time that you can start thinking, okay, what is there for me? And to lose that guilt around it, it doesn't make you a bad mother if you're thinking for yourself, if you're setting boundaries around your time. Um, yeah.
1: Yeah, it's, you know. an, it's an interesting time because so for our, uh, I'll use, of course, myself as an example, uh, yeah. and our four kids, I was hundred percent stay-at-home mom uh for I would say the bulk of at least three of the kids I think I went back to work when Annie was in high school and when I say I went back to work I once again I worked like 15 hours and it was pretty much during the week occasionally on a weekend when dad was around anyway um and so it didn't really impact and I I really pushed and pulled and moved myself so that it wouldn't impact the family. And that was exhausting and pointless. And I would even go so far as to say detrimental because it made it even harder then for my kids to see me wearing a different hat. Mm -hmm. Um, As, you know, somebody that is a professional and would ultimately start their own business. Uh, It just delayed them seeing me for these other roles that I can play. And it's a missed opportunity for modeling your, to your kids.
2: Yes, absolutely. That modeling to your kids. You're absolutely right. You know, everything you do, um, models for your kids, you know, how you, um, in your, in your romantic relationship with your partner, you know, how that goes, you've modeled, you know, having a a great relationship for your kids by making sure you stay connected over the years you know and like you say having that independence within uh your relationship with your kids you know having something for yourself again that's modeling so that when their mothers or fathers whatever you know they can um know that they can do that without guilt it's okay my my mum did that and Mm -hmm. you know she was great and she was she was there for me but you know, I had a little bit of time to be independent myself, you know, because that it helps them maybe not rely on you quite so much and helps their self-growth.
1: Right. Because then you start to get the, uh, what is it, um, learned, um, um, where you can't do things. I can't think what mm. it's called. Um, yeah. um, Learned helplessness. That's what it's called. Right. Oh, okay, yeah. uh, you know, where... You know, you're, you're there all of the time, and it's like they can't function without you, which ironically, uh, not that Charlie, our youngest, um, has that. Mm. Uh, however, you know, as the one who is most accustomed to me working, uh, because, you know, he would have been in middle school, and so I was working, and he's watched... Uh, this development of me and my business and my professional side. Um, he a hundred percent knows how to push all of my guilt buttons mm. and it is brutal. And, you know, it makes me think about, um, you know, with this topic, do you think that, or do you notice with your business, is it primarily women that grapple with this or is it, You know, do men as well, or do you work with both?
2: I work with both if they come as a couple to work on their relationship. But typically, you I don't know if you were saying this, but typically, yes, it's the women that grapple with this. You know, however much um, we're kind of saying, you know, everything's equal, it's really not still you know um I was t- I was um talking to a group of women yesterday in a little empty nest group I was running and they were saying this the kids you know they' everybody's working from home still you know in this group um and the dad was there the mum was there the kids would still go to the mum whether the dad was free or not and she's on a call a work call and they they're needing her to help them with something when he's three doing something, you know, so it's, uh-huh. it's typically, yeah. So the women, and then of course you have the guilt, you know, the societal pressure of, you know, mums should be there for their kids, right. You know, and if they're working, well, then you have to do both. I'm, I'm not saying that. I'm saying this is yes, a, yes. a part of pressure, right. Um, so we've got all that, which we recognize is not true. But it's still ing- ingrained, especially our generation, because our, our mothers were still very much in that role, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we've grown up with that. I'm hoping that for our children, they'll be able to manage it a little bit better. And I see it, I have two daughters, 23 and 19, and I see that they're different. Some we talk, I talk very openly because I have this guilt myself. And I say, you know, oh, I feel really bad doing that. And they look at me as I'm crazy. Why? Right. Right. You know, what, what do you mean? That's fine, mom. You know, and I go, Oh, this is me putting this pressure on myself, not them.
1: Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and it, it does feel like, you know, the, the weight of expectations that we have, uh, generationally and, Mm -hmm. you know, that, um, if you did work and you, uh, do have a career that's outside the home that you feel this need, um, sort of what I said about keeping the status quo so that it's like yes I will still make sure that I volunteer and I bake brownies for the for the bake sale and that you know I'm home to take kids to soccer or to do whatever it is and I you know even if dad is a willing and able or mom like whatever the relationship dynamic is um right. even if your partner is is willing and able, there is just something where it's like, well, I've got to be the one that does this. And, Mm -hmm. you know, if you are kind of in, deem yourself in that more traditional mom role, it's like, I've got to do it. If I don't, then somehow my kids will think less of me or my peers or my parents or, you know, whatever it is. And it's hard.
2: It's a big weight, isn't it, Carrie?
1: It is, and I frankly am carrying enough weight. I do not need any additional weight. I'm still carrying the baby weight. <laughs> uh-huh. That's what I keep telling myself. Um. So with these uh kind of midlife transitions and, and coaching sessions and, and groups that you facilitate and things, mm-hmm. is it primarily women and men that are going from doing uh, sort of this stay-at-home space and now finding what their purpose is with their gifts and talents, and or is it, you know, I've been punching a time card at such and such a place for years, and this doesn't make my tail wag, as I like to say, and yeah. now I'm ready to explore what I want to do. Um, yeah so is it both is it
2: absolutely it's both you know it's a it's a time where it's almost like a a line in the sand and and you were talking before you know midlife is is like 40 to 60 so we're talking you know a a good chunk of time there Uh so it can happen any time between that you know there's suddenly this line in the sand where you go yeah what was working before isn't working for me anymore something's got to change and whether that is you know Getting a, a, I want to say career, it doesn't have to be a career, a, a role that feeds your soul, you mm-hmm. know, the work that you do that feeds your soul mm-hmm. rather than stamping the time clock or being, you know, so busy, you don't know which way you're turning or, you know, finding something for you that, like you say, make your, makes your tail wag. And I love, I love that. Mm-hmm.
1: Well, uh, and it, it can look so different for people. You know, I, I have a couple of friends that, you know, they did stay Uh, at home with their kids and you know I have one friend that's like honestly I'm going and I'm playing tennis and I play tennis multiple times a week and I am developing friendships and I hate that I feel like it's a dirty little secret that I'm going and I'm doing this and you know I'm like hey it's not a dirty little secret at all and yet we're sort of trained to think that if we pursue something that we dare I say it enjoy, yeah. I mean, what kind of crime against humanity is that? That you yeah. know, and what if I am sitting on my couch and eating bonbons, yeah. like whatever? Watching TV, right? Exactly. Yeah. House hunting for my modern house somewhere in King County. Um, right. you know, there's this guilt that's associated with that. Yeah. And a lot of
2: my work is around that. So I just want to say as a coach, I don't tell people what they should be doing. I have no idea what's right for them. Mm -hmm. I'm here to be their guide, to to walk with them and listen to them in a non-judgmental way. You know, I'm not going to say, oh, why are you feeling like that? You know, Mm -hmm. how they're feeling is how they're feeling. What they want to do is what they want to do. Play tennis, start a business, whatever, whatever it is, you know. So, you know, a lot of the work I do is around mindset. You know, changing the mindset so that you can do whatever it is you want to do without the guilt, without feeling, I need to keep this secret. Stand up loud and proud. This is what I'm doing. Right. Right. Take it or leave it. This is me now, you know, but it takes some work to get there.
1: So the people that uh find you are people like Again, my my circle of, uh, especially women um, that are really in that sort of undecided. I haven't declared my major yet. Uh, liberal arts approach <laughs> to midlife, and mm-hmm. again, they've maybe you know maybe they were on a pre med track, and now they're like, turns out I hate blood, and you know what I really want to do? do right, exactly. I want to be a ceramicist or um, you know, the um the English major that is like, I hate writing, um, you know, I want to tap dance or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the so they find you and are you giving them sort of prompts, if you will, and asking certain questions so that they can a think about these bigger questions and then you're able to gauge kind of their mindset around it? Like, tell me how that, what that looks like.
2: Absolutely. So I go into sessions and I don't have a plan. You know, there's no prescription for this. You know, there's no, like, we're going to do it this way because it's different for everyone, right? So yeah, go in, listening, deep listening, listening for the meaning between what they're saying. Sometimes they won't come out and say mm-hmm. really what they're feeling until they really trust me. And then we're flying, you know, which is why I work with people for a minimum of three months. I see them weekly um, because it takes time to really settle into that space and, and start making those shifts that you need to make. So, well,
1: And I'm going to interrupt you for one second. Cause I want to ask yeah. you a question. Do mm-hmm. you think it's about trusting you or do you think it's about trusting themselves and the space? to like, go ahead and say out loud, like, you know, okay, admit it, you know, I, this was not fulfilling. Um, You know, I, I sometimes wonder if it's like, being able to trust yourself that you can go ahead and say, I'm not satisfied.
2: Yes, I think it could be a bit of both, because you're so used to not saying that to even your friends, maybe because you're expecting them to have some judgment or some opinion on it right but as a coach I don't have that judgment or opinion so but people aren't used to that right Right. they're used to having people have a little say about whatever they've got you know whatever their opinion is so um, it takes a little time normally it doesn't take too much time because I hope I'm quite approachable and you know people can see that quite early on in our relationship that I would be that person that's going to support them whatever Mm -hmm. it is they want to do.
1: Interesting. It's, it's, um, it's a heady space. I mean, and I find that, um, you know, if you're dealing with mental health issues or anxiety or depression, it's hard enough for people to go seek coaching, counseling, mentoring, that kind of thing. And that's a mental health thing. So now when you're starting to get into um, what I'll call perceived like, you know, extracurricular Um, mentoring, coaching, counseling, you know, Mm -hmm. it's so hard for people to say, you know, I'm going to spend the money on this. This is a priority. And yet it's crucial to have a guide that, you know, let's do this. Let's do this right. Let's get this Mm -hmm. right and lead you to the thing that you're meant to do so you can hurry up and start doing it because wouldn't that be fun?
2: Exactly. It saves you so much time. If you're trying to do this on your own, it could take years, you know, and not to say that three months with me and everything is rosy, you know, it could take more time, um, but you're on the track. I mean, working with me or, you know, a coach, we we don't expect people to be with us forever. We're teaching, we're well, not teaching, we're helping them discover the skills within themselves so that they can coach themselves eventually mm-hmm. once they've got that confidence. So, you know, it could be that they have to continue doing work like on their own, you know, after our coaching relationship is finished. But, you know, that's all fun. Once you're on that role, you know, that mm-hmm. role, you're you're flying.
1: Well you're like um, a Sherpa, right? I mean, it's like you're gonna climb this mountain and mm-hmm. it takes nothing away from your client who is climbing this mountain and you're a guide that's like, hey, here's a good spot to take a picture. Here's a good spot mm-hmm. to catch your breath and have a Snickers bar because you're getting hangry. You know, here's yeah. a good spot to do, you know, this or whatever Um, because you have that experience. And so as a guide, you know, if you go unguided and you try to climb this mountain, then you are going to be lost and have a lot of obstacles that unnecessarily get in the way when you could have a guide that's like okay watch that rock there and this is a slippery slope and you know you're still climbing the mountain um everything doesn't have to be so hard people
2: it doesn't and i also just want to speak to you know you were saying about how it's hard if you have anxiety or depression to find you know to to you know go out there and get the help and then this is another role uh, another kind of aspect however some of that can be intertwined because as I was mentioning before if you don't listen to what you need your body starts shouting at you louder and louder and louder and louder whether that manifests and I'm not saying all anxiety and depression is manifested this way but it can be a symptom of something that needs to change.
1: Oh, 100%. So I've seen it. I've lived it. uh, I believe it. Uh, Let's take a quick break here. And then when we come back, we'll continue our conversation uh, with Georgie Coote. I want to talk about your podcast, Love in Midlife. So keep listening to Stacey Connects, and we'll be back after this quick break.
0: Stacy Heller is many things entertaining yet enlightening she's a talk show host channeling her inner Fallon like Winston Wolf she's a fixer who gets things done with style practical like dr Ruth Stacy isn't afraid of the uncomfortable when searching for answers she's your biggest fan and sees your potential before you do most of all Stacy Heller is a synapse who can connect impulses and ideas about your business and yourself into possibility. To connect with Stacy, go to stacyconnects.com. Stacy Connects, it's her superpower. Want to hear something different from talk radio? Keep your dial on Alternative Talk 1150.
1: Welcome back to Stacy Connects. Thanks to everyone that is listening to the show. Uh, remember, if you have a comment or question, feel free to text or leave a voicemail at 475 999 2726. And remember, you can follow Stacy Talks on Instagram. So, my guest today is Georgie Coote, and Georgie is a. Coach, she works with people that are going through midlife transitions, and um, one of the things that I mentioned before the break is that you have a podcast called Love in Midlife with the two Gs, which
2: yeah.
1: I love. Uh, you have a co-host for the podcast, Gary. I do. And um, I, oh, of course, in my head, I'm like, the OG two Gs. Um but, you know, that's because I'm a weirdo. And I listened to uh, one of your episodes and I was so struck by the conversations that you're having. You have some episodes where you have a guest and they're speaking to an adjacent um, topic that makes sense. They're a subject matter expert. And then you have episodes where you've got listeners and you're answering Questions and sharing some wisdom, some advice, uh, some coaching, counseling. Uh, it's it's a really cool format. I wish that I could get people to call or send in questions or whatever. But you know, good for you, Georgie. <laughs> you're doing you're doing much better at getting the word out there to get people. Um, so, how did this come about?
2: Yeah so Gary and I met um we both did our coach certification training um with Guiding Mindful Change um I did mine a few years ago and then I'm a facilitator for their certification program now and Gary was in one of my classes and then um after that he started training to be a facilitator so we worked together and um you know his my my premise is working with midlifers who um, have a long-term relationship and they want to breathe new life into that Mm -hmm. um, in whatever way that looks and then he works with midlifers who have or are going through divorce and then wanting to find a new relationship afterwards so I wanted to start a podcast and my favorite podcasts are like this one where you're talking and interacting and I thought oh it would make a great pairing if we did it together. So that's how we set it up. I think we've been doing it for about six months now. Um,
1: I yeah, think I it was... in
2: July, but we've got plenty of episodes we've already recorded. So we've been working together about six months. So. I
1: love it. I mean, I, you know, as I said, I, I sort of picked based on keywords, you know, and I, the one that I listened to was about, um, it was uh presumably uh, a gal that wrote in and was, talking about, you know, okay, my husband I mean, it was like it was Pete and me. Um, it was so aligned, you know, my husband and I picked a more traditional route. I stay at home with the kids. He makes enough money that money's not really an issue. Now I'm, you know, looking for my purpose and trying to figure these things out and my role in the family. And then I I was waiting for it and she delivered when she was like how come my husband doesn't have to go through this and yeah. you know i was just like yeah go <laughs> um you know and what you were talking about how you know the kids always seem to default to go to mom especially if that's the role that it's uh that you've been in and you know um even with the uh, the house situation and all my joking about um getting a wild hair to move. As my mother says, as my therapist says, it's not the house that has changed. It is me that has changed and Mm. my role within it, literally and figuratively. And yet I know that and the house knows that, but the three cats don't seem to know it. And my husband says that he does, but does not always act like he knows it. And, you know, the... the. One kid that is living at home, he chooses to ignore it to, you know, trigger the guilt card. And the other three kids, again, they sort of know it. But then the holidays happen and everyone regresses to their original roles in the family. And so it becomes a mess. So I was like, this is so relatable. Um, So there's not really a question there. It's more uh, a comment about how these these topics that you and Gary are covering, um, Mm -hmm. about relationship dynamics and relationship dynamics with both yourself and your significant other and family are so key.
2: Absolutely.
1: And it seems like you are actually both doing the same thing. Like I would argue that my relationship with Pete, um, who we've been married for, it was 30 years in June. So You know, if we're looking for something that is different, it's almost like we need to go through a metamorphosis as significant as the couples that are going through a divorce after a longer period of time. Like you really need to shed your old skin and show Mm -hmm. up vulnerable and fresh with each other.
2: Absolutely yeah that's you know I, I've i actually never thought of it like that but it is it is a metamorphosis and and it takes that it's like when you first have your children you talk about what that's going to look like who's going to do what role you know and it's a change isn't it you know um you maybe were working before that and then you gave up work and and so that all changes and then at the end of that when your kids leave home again we should be having that conversation to say, okay, what does our relationship look like now? Everything's shifted and changed um, for for both of you. But yes, it's more of the person who maybe was doing the bulk of the childcare. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it is both of you. And what does that look like? What are the boundaries we need to place around, you know, our new relationship? You know, what what do we want in our lives? What are our goals for the future together? What do we want to do? Do we want to travel? You know, what does that actually look like?
1: Well, and I find that when Pete and I, we go on our date night, I have had to get out of the habit of sort of barely listening, like, hey, so what's going on at work? And, you know, he'll tell me about these these things that are going on. And I'm sort of like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, like, is he done talking? Because, like, my turn. Uh, and mm-hmm. really now that I have my own business and that I can be more thoughtful, and more on the level of what he's doing, that's a whole new dynamic in our relationship that I can ask thoughtful questions. I can give feedback. I can give uh, suggestions if he's looking for it or, you know, help or whatever it is. And, mm-hmm. and he can do the same. And that is a new, um, a new place in our relationship because that's not something that in the past I've been able to speak to.
2: Yeah, that's interesting. And I do wonder whether, um, you know, if you're sharing, we call it, um, I'm, a, I'm a Gottman leader as well. And it, in in the Gottman's work, you know, they could talk about love maps, building love maps. So knowing what your your partner's life is like. Mm-hmm. So I'm wondering whether, you know, in previous years when you were maybe having that little disconnect of not understanding Each other's roles, more conversation describing in detail what your day was like. So, and him just really you trying to listen. I know it's hard. My my husband's a programmer. It's really hard. (laughs) Right?
1: I mean, my husband's in finance, which is like my personal. Well, not actually. He was in finance. Now he's in training and development. But you know, Mm. I'm like, that sounds like a lot of detail. And I've got major ADHD. And like, what? So yeah. yeah.
2: So as best we can, though, to try and you know really understand each other's worlds, Mm -hmm. um, so that we can relate. But yeah, it sounds like it's getting easier for you because you're you're in that realm now too. Well,
1: and yeah, absolutely. And I'm realizing, and luckily not belatedly, that okay, just because we're applying some of these dynamics in you know two different types of work, and it. It could have even been back in my work as a stay-at-home mom. um, I focused so much on the minutiae and, as you say, the description of, you know, well, and then I had to go to the store and then I took the kids to the orthodontist and I did these things versus talking about, like, the management of these things and the efficiencies or, you know, how uh, interacting with people or, you know, finding that common language that we could have talked about these things and that – I was essentially in a um, middle management role as a stay-at-home mom and, you know, the lessons that I learned and we could have uh, potentially talked on that level. However, now uh, that I'm doing this for myself, I feel like I have more value add. Um, mm. It's amazing how we just don't, as if you're a stay-at-home mom, We can't seem to give ourselves any credit or grace for what we do.
2: Isn't that crazy, though, because it is a huge management role. If you if you wrote down all the skills that you've learned as a mother and a home manager and all that on a resume, you know, and that's why I always encourage people to to use those things. Okay, you know, to use them on their resume in the in the right way but mm-hmm. you've got so many skills there that you don't even recognize
1: I remember uh early on when we started having kids and our insurance agent you know it was sort of like just do we get life insurance for me you know of course for Pete uh you know he's frankly probably worth more dead than alive um which is kind of the way you want it but I'm not saying like I'm gonna kill the man anyway before I open up a a can of worms. But my point is, uh, there was a the question of, you know, do I get life insurance? And, you know, they said, yes, because God forbid something ever happened to you. He's going to have to hire a nanny and somebody to drive and maybe somebody to like cook and somebody to do this and somebody to do that. And yeah. I was like, oh, OK, yeah, turns out my life has value and it would Absolutely. take a lot to replace me. Um, yeah. so, you know, that's an interesting thing but um yeah i i love the love in midlife and because it also feels hopeful like yes by the way mm-hmm. whether it's with your longtime significant other or uh potentially you know going through a divorce and reemerging um in a different way by the way love in midlife is possible absolutely and it yeah. usually probably starts with loving yourself right
2: yes yeah. Yeah, but then, you know, we've had this debate, you know, yes, loving yourself, doing some self work. But also, if you're with the right partner, they can help you heal from anything that's happened before. So you don't have to wait, is what I'm saying, to, to fully love yourself before you can have a romantic relationship. That's, you know, if you're with the right person, they can help you through that.
1: Right. Well, and you can be vulnerable enough. So we only have a few minutes left. So the types of uh, so you've got your podcast and you and Gary talk about love and midlife uh, from two different perspectives. Then you have your coaching work that you do one on one. And then you also mentioned that you were facilitating an empty nest group. So what are Mm -hmm. the some of the other avenues that you work with people?
2: Yeah. So, um, so I'm also a Gottman seven principles for making marriage work leader. So I hold, um, those workshops and I've got the next one coming up is November 19th and 20th. It's four hours each day over a weekend. And we learn. and I would, you know, it's not coaching. I'm actually teaching some, you know, really simple skills, um, that help people build a really strong foundation to their relationship. So that's reminds me of
1: pre-cana. Like yeah. right, I mean, you know, yeah. like pre-cana is great for when you're preparing to get uh, married, but they should have like a uh, a refresher course or something. Right. So, there you go. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, it's that's like cool, that, that. that. manual
2: for later on. Yeah,
1: exactly. Okay, so that's November nineteenth and twentieth. Yeah,
2: um, I think that's that's about it. So I also, you know, obviously work with people individually and work with couples, as we talked about before.
1: Um, and then yeah. I love the the empty nest group. Uh, yes. Now, is that something that you put a group together or is it like, you know, a book group that was suddenly like, oh, hey, we've read enough books, like stuff you is know, getting it. real.
2: It's something I'm playing with. I have a couple of groups book this week. So it is that. It is, you know, somebody I know, some a client maybe or a connection. Um, yeah, get your friends together who are all in the same environment and or the same period of time Uh and same having the same struggles and let's have a a group coaching session and somebody will host me. Oh, gosh.
1: All right. Have I got a group for you? Um, All right. All right. So uh, please share with people how can they connect with you?
2: Yeah. So um, I have a website, which is uh, georgiecoote.com. Um, so I can probably hear my dog barking. I apologize. For that. <laughs> that's
1: okay. And by um, the way, that is spelled uh listener C O O T E.
2: Yes. Um,
1: and, um, I am on Instagram,
2: Facebook, um, Georgia Cook coaching. Okay. Um, and I think that's the main places I am. And of course the, the, um, podcast loving midlife with the two G's. And for some reason on Apple Podcasts, you have to put the whole title. It's not coming up with just a little short thing yet. So
1: Yes, you do. That's how I found it. So, um, Ah. But I found it, and it was a very interesting listen. So thank you, Georgie. Uh, I loved our conversation today. I totally am going to have to get a group of friends together. Thank you, Eric, as always. Uh, Next week, my guest is Suzanne Weller. She is a reimagination partner, which, of course, I love that too. So I will post information about today's topic on my Instagram account, Stacey Talks. Thanks for listening, everybody.